Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking with Pat Kenlin of the bands Drug Church and Self-Defense Family. We talked about Lungfish's 2012 album, ACR 1999. We also talked about revisiting old material and about not understanding how time zones work. Pat is a man of many side jobs, so promoting all of them is super hard. So check out the newest Drug Church album, Hygiene, as well as the newest string of self-defense EPs that were released over the last year. Pat is also the co-host of the hardcore podcast, Axe to Grind, and if you've kept up with our pod, you'll remember that Bob and Tom have also been guests. But if you weren't aware, then go back in the archives and check out their episodes. Lastly, Pat is also a very prolific comic book writer, and I'd recommend his newest books, Antioch and Frontiersman, out now on Image Comics. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spendingoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we listen to records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at spinningoutpod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment, and I hear reviews definitely help. Okay, let's chat with Pat. Hey, Pat, how's it going? Uh, doing very well, Joshua. Thank you for asking. Uh, <clears throat> currently uh, broadcasting from Perth, Australia, a uh, home I share with my girlfriend. Uh, her son is sick, so I am the house husband that is taking care of him today. I, uh, I guess I'll start this podcast by sounding like the dumbest person. Mm-hmm. I feel like when, I, okay, so when I was in Japan, I felt like I could not believe time changes like it was just like talking to my friends at home i was just like you're lying to me it's almost like a it's probably like a narcissism thing really because it was just like a truman show thing where i was like i don't really believe that y'all have different time changes it's like they just flew me around in a plane for a bunch of hours and dropped me off somewhere is what it feels like so so uh i discovered the other day that there's actually half hour time changes as well and I had no idea. That is, you want to talk about disorienting? <laughs> That's insane. Uh, I think there's parts of uh, Indian, or pardon me, parts of India and Maya, Myanmar, uh, Burma, I, depending on what part of the world I guess you're in, um, that uh, have half-hour time changes. Which is, uh, I mean, I, I imagine trying to have a grip on reality at that point. I would be completely lost. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I feel like I was going to ask you what that means, but I, I'm also telling you that I barely understand what time zone changes are. So, well, well th- um, th- think yeah. about think about your time zone changes from uh, where are you from right now? Uh, East coast of the yeah, United States, North Carolina. Okay, so North yeah. Carolina uh, to Perth uh, during uh, daylight savings on our side, I guess uh, that is. Uh, that's a 12 hour difference. Exactly. So it's seven, it's 7 PM where you are at 7 AM where I am. Those are, those are full hour, full hour increments. Right. But I discovered, I discovered literally yesterday when I was, okay, I'm going to take us in a direction. Are you ready? So, uh, my girl and I vacationed in Cambodia. Uh, I understand that's not appealing for everybody, but I get, I have like a, 
I have like a dark history thing. I want to see the horror stuff. I want to see like, you know, when I go to Europe, I go to concentration camps. When I go to Southeast Asia, I'd, in Cambodia specifically, went to, what's it called? Uh, it's like SR uh, 21, maybe. I forget, I forget what it's called, but like basically re yeah. My history it, of dead Kennedy songs are slipping. So. <laughs> it's <laughs> essentially, uh, for your listeners that are 15, uh, the Khmer, the Khmer Rouge, uh, uh, instituted a totalitarian government in, in Cambodia, uh, some variation on communism and, uh, uh, killed some upward percentage of the population, you know, um, and famously, uh, did it along lines that, uh, would fall right, right in step with, uh, uh, pardon me, with science fiction. So that's to say, famously, they they killed people, the educated class, and then when they ran out of people who were overtly educated, they would kill people who who wore glasses, right? So yeah. it, it's this real horror bit of human history that ended right before I was born. So I want you to think yeah. think about how recent, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm old now, but uh, imagine how recent that is that, like, my birthday happens and... <laughs> and the people of Cambodia are still putting their lives together. You know what I mean? Because it, this, this nightmare just ended. Right. So, mm -hmm. uh, I'm kind of fascinated by these things. <clears throat> I don't get to travel the middle East very often, but if I did, I would go to their sites that are, so I, 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 I am interested in, in kind of, uh, the, the dark stuff. So I watched all these YouTube videos, one of, uh, before I go to Cambodia and one of which, uh, well, when we we're trying to decide where to go, if we should travel around the region, et cetera, because I wanted to check out Vietnam as well, <clears throat> I started looking at, uh, and again, I don't know what the culturally sensitive, because uh, uh, there's Burma. We called it Burma in the United States for 55 years, but we did that kind of as a dismissal, so I don't know what they call themselves there. The international community calls it uh, Myanmar, right? Yeah. And... <clears throat> uh, so whatever it is, if Burma comes off my tongue easier, so no disrespect to the people of that region, whatever the fuck you want to call yourself is fine with me, but I'm just going with Burma because it comes off my tongue better. So I'm looking at uh, uh, videos of Burma because I said, oh, wouldn't that be wild? My, now, my girlfriend ultimately said she, there's no chance she would fucking go to Burma, but uh, <clears throat> I, I would like to go to Burma. I, I, uh, for people that don't know their history, uh, they are on and off a... Uh, ruled by a military junta that uh, uh, is basically like seven generals sitting in a room deciding who to oppress that day. You know what I mean? Well, now, I'm yeah. gonna, now I'm not going to be allowed in Burma. But the, but the point is that that they you have to hand you hand your passport over when you go when you enter that country, meaning that you don't have it when you're in that country. They hang on to it for you. So yeah, it's unlike. Unlike a lot of places in the world, and it's, uh, you know, for a lot of people, it's very scary. But then for other people, it's just life as usual, right? And I started watching these, these YouTube videos of uh, life in uh, uh, Yangon, right? Formerly Rangoon, uh, which is seemingly nice and beautiful. It's got this kind of mix of colonial architecture and, and, and uh, kind of the native look. And... Uh, it, it, the channel over the last, since I started watching it three years, four years ago has changed because people and companies, everything 
goes towards light. So like whatever's feeding you, you go towards that. So this channel, which started off as educational, but had female hosts, is now just female hosts. And all the comments are, so it'll be like, take a walk with this beautiful uh, 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 Burmese woman. And it's just a woman in like a, like a sundress taking you out for street food in Yangon. But the comments are all, are all like very lonely men. Like it's almost like prison letter vibes in, in, oh, in, in the comments. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know what the purpose of that story was, but that's, but uh, that's how I spend my time. <laughs> yeah. I guess you were talking about the uh, like half hour, Oh, Time okay. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> that's how we got to the Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> I I went looking for uh I I, I was like, ah, maybe I could go to Yangon, not not for the not for the street food or the women in sundresses, but I was like, maybe I can get my girlfriend to go. It looks so beautiful. Such a different like I've never been to a purely authoritarian space. We could make the argument that some places I've been to uh, uh, are live under that type of regime, but <clears throat> Uh, strictly speaking, no. So, and I've been a lot of places. So, I would like to go to some place. Uh, there's a, a, a fellow that writes me on Instagram sometime, uh, Western dude who lives right in Cambodia, right in uh, uh, Burma, who uh, he's there on some like NGO photography sort of thing, whatever. <clears throat> but uh, otherwise, I don't know anybody there. Don't know anything about their lives. Uh, and I'd like to see it for myself. So I was like, oh, maybe I can get my girlfriend to go. It's, it, it, I, I want to see if we can't revisit this idea. And I was looking up the region. There's like two areas there that have half hour time differences. So not full yeah. out. So instead of it's 724 now where I am, it's 724 where you are right now. If we're on a half hour time difference, it would still be seven where you are. Do you, you, you know how, like, that's just an insane, so yes, I fuck up time zones. I've missed, in my life, I've probably missed four planes due to this. Uh, I've cost my band an incredible amount of money uh, because I just keep missing flights. Uh, the East Coast and the West Coast of the United States, I know my, I know my difference to Perth now, but when I'm, when I'm traveling in Europe, I'm still confused, and I really shouldn't be. I've been there, like, a, a bunch of times, but the, the, uh, I've yeah, I've missed a ton of flights. So this is all to say yeah. this is this is all to say I don't understand time zones either. Yeah. Well, actually we are talking about uh today we're talking about Lungfish's album ACR 1999. Uh we will not be talking more about time zones. Mm. Well, we'll see, we'll see. Uh so this was an album that came out in 2012. Mm-hmm. And what I'll ask is what was the first time <clears throat> you heard Lungfish or this album? Sure. So Lungfish, the first time I heard them was probably the year 2000. Um, I would, maybe ni- maybe 1999, fuck. Um, maybe earlier, maybe 1998, Jesus. Um, so before uh, Necrophones, which kind of comes into this a bunch. So when I was a kid, I was very into hardcore music. And... Uh, then it started taking a uh, musical and kind of aesthetic direction that I did not relate to at all. So uh, I'm not the type of dude who, once I'm interested in something, I tend to be interested in it for life. Uh, <clears throat> weird, 
uh, mental tick of mine, which uh, may not be good for uh, development as a person. But but I I was I still really enjoyed this type of music that I that I was into, but I couldn't find anything current that was making me happy. So I just spent a couple of years, maybe two, uh, going and trying everything old, you know? So I would go mm-hmm. to the record store every day. <clears throat> uh, at the time I was uh, working at a vegan deli, uh, I'd get tips every day and I would take the tips and I would go, uh, to the record store, uh, a few blocks away. And, uh, I would just buy uh, this. God, this sounds so fucking old now, but, th- but this was, it technically wasn't before the internet, but no, I wasn't on it. You know what I mean? Nobody was, yeah. nobody. The was, internet was just used for like WWF.com at that point. <laughs> yeah. Or right. Like chat rooms. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, so I had no idea, um, what, uh, what much of this was outside of what I would cl- glean from zines or maybe what some older kid would tell me, but, uh, I would try anything. Uh, anything and uh, when your favorite band is Minor Threat, you you uh, are inclined to to try the Discord catalog uh, for as long as you can. Most people jump off around you know like whatever Happy Go Licky or whatever the fuck they they, they jump off at some point. Yeah. But the high back chairs maybe. But uh, <clears throat> but I was I was in it for everything that Discord had to offer for years and years. And when I got to Lungfish, it didn't connect it wasn't immediate enough it was uh uh i didn't understand it maybe i was uh, my brain was too young to understand that uh, all music is just repetition and when you uh when you are merely repetition you are doing music perfectly so so uh yeah. so maybe i didn't get it but then maybe six months later i revisited it uh, this is talking songs for walking, which, uh, is, mm-hmm. is, uh, the, I think the debut LP, um, later packaged with necklace of heads, uh, which I think was an EP. So it's, it's like it, it, whatever. I don't know how many tracks it is now, but whatever, uh, bought it on CD. Um, and again, it didn't connect, but six months later it blew my mind and I became this, this ravenous lungfish head. And even then they had plenty of records to listen to. And that was years and years ago, but it, it, <clears throat> I saw them twice. Uh, and this is, uh, uh, I get very emotional about two things. Um, uh, it, I get, <laughs> I get emotional <laughs> about immigrant stories. I don't know why uh, I'm not an immigrant. Myself. I guess I am an immigrant now to Australia, but I feel so late in life that it doesn't feel like some type of uh, fievel, uh, an American tale <laughs> sort of fucking yeah. story. But uh, I, I get very emotional at immigrant stories because I think there's something to uh, people leaving the known world uh, for, for the unknown. And, and the other thing I get very emotional about is, uh, is un, unappreciated brilliance. Uh, I get, so like when I, I saw Built to Spill a couple years ago and they were filling the same size room that Drug Church does. Built to Spill should be 30 times the size of Drug, drug Church. And yeah. Uh, and another one is uh, uh, Michael Jira of uh, Swans, but uh, I, I don't really even care about Swans. I think Angels of Light is, is just beyond brilliant. I think it's some of the best music ever recorded. And he was working construction at the time. <laughs> and I think that there's something... Uh, 
offensive and sad <laughs> about these ideas. And uh, someone might think that that's self-interest because I'm a musician, but I, I think I should be working at a coal mine. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I'm a genius. I'm saying these men are geniuses. And for people to not recognize that in the volume necessary to, to uh, live really prosperous lives is, is there's something tragic in it to me. So uh, I saw lungfish in rooms of, you know, maybe 200 people. And uh, uh, just some of the best performances I'd ever seen in my life uh, really, really speaks to exactly what music uh, should be, in my view, which is uh, a a rigid plan, a rigid plan that that uh, goes sideways live, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, it was really part of a. For me, for anybody that's uh, uh, seen me perform in either of my bands, there's two things, maybe two two acts that that uh, well three. So I I saw Warzone at the very end of of uh, their time as a band. Their uh, victory years. Victory years, and it uh, it made a huge impact on me because that was the first kind of like wild live, uh, you know, sing along sort of thing I'd ever seen. I was very young too, but, but, uh, it was, uh, you know, made an impact because, uh, uh, there were in the same way that any great hardcore show should for a young person. Right. And then, uh, I saw uh, sick of it all and sick of it all made such a deep impression on me because, uh, they were having a good time. They were smiling. Yeah, yeah. They were smiling, and the, and there's something about that was so resonant for me uh, that you could play this aggressive music and still uh, take it seriously, but still be smiling. And uh, and then the third band that kind of, uh, in terms of live performance, really impacted my life was Lungfish, where I realized that the map is not the territory. You don't have to do uh, what is expected of you. you it's uh, it's your show. You know, so like, yeah. so so, Dan Higgs, the singer, uh, for a portion of of their set, just uh, hid behind a curtain and just peeked out playfully <laughs> every once in a while. Um, so, uh, Lungfish for me is one of the uh, best guitar acts of all time, but also uh, some two of my. Uh, I don't have a good memory at all, uh, and I try to treasure uh, the memory of uh, seeing them a couple times. Um, I've followed, uh, members work, uh, since then. And, uh, uh, Asa Osborne, uh, does zones, uh, which yeah. is, which is really started as basically like a tape looping exercise solo project. But, uh, he played some show maybe in somewhere in Europe and <clears throat> he brought on a, uh, I'll say Scandinavian. I don't know where the fuck she's from. She, he brought on a Scandinavian vocalist to kind of free form just make noises etc uh for one of these shows uh and they hit it off and she stayed for at least an album and that album is purely beautiful uh and i urge people to check it out dan higgs uh kind of a, a poet sort of fella he did uh the record's called uh, Pier Amid, I forget the name of the band. He he briefly joined a European band on, on vocal duties. It's actually a really good record. Um, name escapes me at the second, but 
He's also done his solo material. I've seen him solo where he's he plays instruments that look like I don't want to insult anybody because I don't know if they are it's entirely possible that they're indigenous instruments from parts of the world I'm just not familiar with or they're from outer space because I never seen <laughs> these fucking things before. Yeah. You know what I mean like I saw him use a uh, a stringed instrument as percussion in this way that I had just never I'm I mean I'm sure he's not you know it's not a new concept or, or instrument but i had never seen it before and he does uh <clears throat> he does uh, uh, uh s- some challenging material that if you are a lungfish fan it will probably make sense to you but won't fully scratch the same edge <clears throat> which is probably by design but <clears throat> um so i'm i'm what you might call lungfish head so i was re- yeah. so i was ready in what year did you say this was? 20, 2012? Yeah, 2012. Holy fuck, yeah. time goes by. So, oh, man, that's depressing. Because I, <laughs> I remember being excited for this. Um, so uh, if you've done the research, maybe you know better than I do. This, this was essentially the uh, uh, thrown away version of, of what? Necrophones? Was this the... Yeah, I, yeah. so it has six songs that were remade for Necrophones, and they recorded this with this guy named Craig Bowen. Um, and I think essentially... So I, I guess it's like a lot of times with doing these episodes, I like to just focus on the record that's at hand. So I almost didn't want to purposely listen to Necrophones because I didn't want it to color mm-hmm. how I looked at this. But a lot of the... Like a the Pitchfork review for it at the time. Just everything made comments on kind of the... I don't know why lackadaisical, but it was like that Necrophones was kind of like low energy, even for them. <laughs> and like didn't have kind of the edge that, you know, this album ends up having. Uh, but essentially half of it is really just necrophones anyways it's sometimes reworked like i believe uh eternal nightfall on necrophones is like the closer yep um so i mean i guess it's in a sense like i mean i've been in this place where it's like you record a record and you're like not really what we expected so you do it again and that became necrophones but then kind of revisiting this i guess them or discord were like hey we have something here so all those years later like 13 years later we're like well let's put it out yeah. So my favorite Lungfish record uh, changes yearly. Uh, I, I, I'm looking at my iTunes right now, and it seems that I've got them all, but uh, let's see what I love sound in time. The, the different ones have made di- different impressions on me at different periods, right? So for people that don't know Lungfish, they, uh, you, could start, you could say that they started in the emotional hardcore or uh, kind of at that time uh, screamo-adjacent space, though clearly a little bit more mature than that uh but quickly quickly turned into their own thing and their own thing is essentially one part songs um yeah, yeah. and i'm of the belief that a song is a good riff uh that's i i would tell people this all the time is that if you have a good riff you have a good song uh it's yours to it's yours to lose at that point you know like it's your game to fuck up because a, a, a riff that grabs people with any uh any type of retention is 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 just like a magical thing i mean uh there is a uh i say it all the time for you know for the kind of music that drug church makes uh there's a tom petty quote which is don't bore us 
get to the chorus, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's something to that because he knew that the part of the song that grabbed people was not the verses, which are is for the heads, the people that kind of like want to dig into somebody's catalog and say, oh, wasn't that clever? And But the chorus is what just immediately grabs people and, and, and makes them sit in their seat or stand up in their seat, but stay there. You know what I mean? So, so mm-hmm. um, what Lungfish does is it just says we're, we're just choruses, man. You know what I mean? However, yeah. however, that's, that's the music. The lyrics are, are in some respects very dense and uh, often, only repeating, and this is a thing that I've stolen for my entire career, only repeating in variation, but repeat, but choruses, or pardon me, verses will often, in whatever counts as one in a Lungfish song, will often be uh, variations of the previous one. Uh, so there is this, there is a repetition, but it's a highly engaging one. And, uh, yeah. and, and that's, that's the thing that I've done you know, and, and re- repetitious uh, music <clears throat> is just kind of what I enjoy, uh, uh, particularly guitar music. So, uh, like The Fall is another band that I really love. Uh, and once we get into kind of drone music, it's easy to lose me because I'm a lyrical guy. But uh, this and uh, Lungfish and The Fall are two examples of one being kind of pulled back musically in some respects and the, uh, the other uh, being a little bit more aggressive. But Lungfish also gets aggressive and weirdly gets some of their most aggressive at the end of their recording career. Um, yeah. Where, you know, uh, Feral Hymns uh, is a heavy record. It's a heavy, beautiful, brilliant record for men at the end of their 11 album career. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or whatever yeah. it is. So um, this is a band that just... Uh, uh, knew what they were and had a lot to say and just did that for longer than most bands uh, can conceive of being a a productive band and never, never put out a bad record. Now, necrophones looking at the, um, looking at the, the, the tracks, um, is a beautiful, beautiful record. Uh, really beautiful record actually. But, um, and you could make an argument, one of my favorites, uh, but the, uh, and it has hits on it that do not exist on ACR. Uh, but ACR, and this is no disrespect to Don Ciantara, who I'm probably sure recorded, uh, necrophones and did a good job on all their records. I think the high energy nature of ACR is it, it makes for a better record, even if it has, if, even if it's missing two real hits from it. So, uh, I loved this record and I think it has uh I think it has things to say about it that are so goddamn interesting that anybody listening to us right now should listen who is a musician who writes writes their own music because uh, I don't I can't speak to the plane the plane seems uh spot on to me but I I I don't have the ear for that but the the creative thing that's happening here is absurd like i think it screams of joy he enters around with himself you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah. like that's not a thing you hear <laughs> every day um and then uh, i will walk between you is one that i could talk about all the time uh and i, I i've tried very hard i don't 
I've tried very hard to... Okay. I've said on record before, <clears throat> self-defense family specifically for the last eight years has been trying to do one song. And because we're not capable of writing that song, uh, it, it, it sounds different. It, we're creating something new by virtue of this pathetic cover that we're trying, right? And that song is Blood Embrace, uh, which is a, uh, uh, what's his name, Matt Sweeney and, and uh, uh, Bonnie Prince Billy uh, oh, okay. <clears throat> song. And I think it's uh, a, an essentially perfect song in every regard. And I've been, tr I've been trying to, to do it. <laughs> I can't do it because I'm not a talented person. <laughs> so, uh, but this Lungfish record, Another thing that I have been trying to do is find a way. I will walk between you has, I don't know what the term would be in music in, in a film, you'd call it diegetic and non-diegetic sounds, right? Mm -hmm. So, so if you're listening to, I will walk between you on, uh, on headphones, you will notice that it has, I'm going to use the term diegetic though. I don't know if it's actually appropriate here because uh, for people that don't know what this means, I barely know what it means. Basically, <clears throat> non-diegetic sounds would be something that does not take place in the uh, in the physical world that you are witnessing. So, in film, that could mean uh, a transition that is a phone call uh, that that is not in the scene. Right, so it's it's a transition phone call that you hear the phone call before it happens. I believe that would be non-diegetic sound. Yeah. Oh, people, I think people use use it in film a lot of times with like the music kind of being played. Yeah, there you go. Um, like if it's diegetic or non-diegetic, but I always get mixed up myself. So like which I. one? Yeah, but um, yeah, but uh, that song, uh, I will walk between you. It. I don't know if you noticed this when you were listening. It it makes re it, it. This is a thing that is not. <laughs> some people, when I explain this to them, they say it's so corny. It's brilliant, is what it is. There is. There's a line, uh, uh, whispers Holy Ghost, and then you just if you're listening on headphones, you can hear a low voice say Holy Ghost, and, and if you there's another line that says. A, a knock on the coffin and it's four knocks and it's perfectly in time out of time perfect it's just like perfect and uh i believe there's also the creaking of a coffin opening and and for people that everybody kind of says the same thing which is this sounds like a haunted hayride you know what i mean like that's <laughs> like like that doesn't sound like it would be cool it's beyond cool it's the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's yeah. so fulfilling. Uh, I was listening to this, uh, for this exercise and I, I was so edified and I was, uh, I went through all the emotions that I do when I hear something really, really brilliant. <clears throat> my relationship to music recently has been disappointing because, uh, my life is, uh, is very busy. I mean, I still, watch a lot of YouTube and play Fortnite, but, but, uh, but it's, it, it's, it's very busy. Uh, and it's not, I can't even say it's busy in an adult way because I'm torn in these, uh, creative directions that are, uh, 
that are maybe still not, maybe still silly, you know, but I'm, 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 I'm working like four jobs basically. And, and, uh, so music, I basically get to, I get to play it and feel edified in that way. But when I'm listening to stuff, I'm like, Oh, I still have 14 hours to go on this audio book. You know, what I mean? so, and I don't have time. I've got to listen to this audiobook if I want to finish it. So, I my music consumption uh, is higher than it was last year uh, because I, I'm I'm trying a bunch of material intentionally, but I'm I'm not absorbing as much as I as I used to, and I'm sad about this fact. So, uh, to listen to this uh, with a really concentrated sort of concerned listen uh, was really fulfilling because it's a brilliant record and it's a very evocative record. Uh, Eternal Nightfall, which is what it opens with. Mm -hmm. uh, So, you know, I try to think of where, where music is best enjoyed. Right. And I've always said that there's this uh, 108 track that if you stand in the middle of a, of a subway platform, a busy subway platform, uh, and you listen to this song, you you have to have uh, real nerves of steel not to walk onto the track, right? Because because it, it is uh, it's a the most the most not even alienated the most atomized song I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like yeah. for people that don't know 108, uh, these are people I respect and I love this music. I'm just gonna for the for I'm gonna use shorthand. They were religious nuts. So, so, so they, they're Hare Krishnas, so they're people that uh, at that time they were young men and they were Hare Krishnas, so they uh, had a lot of uh, uh, zeal and they were um, completely alienated. You know, like the, 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 uh, the world and people's motivations didn't make sense to them or if they did, they, they saw them as something uh, uh, foul. <clears throat> so if, yeah. if you listen to that, if you listen to that song, Curse of Instinct, on a busy subway platform, it's, it, you'll never feel more alone, right? And uh, Eternal Nightfall, uh, which I tried to place myself in their head. I know, I know where these men are from. They're, they're, they're from Baltimore, which is a place where you could walk around all night and, and probably never be fully alone, right? So, so uh, because people are around. But I was listening to this song as I walked the dog each night. And I live in uh, north of uh, north of the city in uh, in, in uh, Perth, and so I live in this uh, suburban. I live in the type of working per- people suburbs where every guy is wearing pants that have reflective material on them. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> like yeah. every single guy. So it's it's kind of um, I don't know what you'd call that, like lower middle class, maybe. Uh, kind of working person uh, uh, reality, uh, but they're homes, right? And it's purely a suburb, and it's uh, safe and and uh, hermetic in some ways, hermetically sealed. And uh, but Perth is uh, doesn't suffer the same light pollution that I've had for most of my life, right? So I lived in upstate New York, then I lived in New York, then I lived in San Diego, then I lived in L.A. or vice versa or whatever. And but it's pretty much I've only been in megapolises or mega cities since, yeah. since, since I was a child. And, uh, 
Uh, Perth is not like that. Perth for people that don't. So it's like Scottsdale, Arizona. Arizona closer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Clo- <laughs> much closer to that. So you have a view of, of the sky. And okay. Uh, uh, so I, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not familiar with that low level of light pollution. So it's, it's very beautiful to see uh, the stars every night. And I thought about the difference between my experience, which is walking around suburbs that are so dead after 11 o'clock that it's, it's eerie, you know, like I, I, when I listen on my headphones, I don't worry about like in, in Baltimore, I've been to Baltimore many times. There's a lot to worry about. I don't worry about, uh, somebody approaching me in when, when, when I'm walking around Perth at night or, or Perth suburbs, strictly speaking. I, but I do worry about ghosts <laughs> because, because it's the type of thing that is so dead silent that if you hear a noise, you piss your pants. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, so, uh, I always, this is a weird one, but I worry about, I, I, you know, I'm listening to something dense on my headphones. I worry about turning around and just seeing like a scary ghost <laughs> because that's how, that's how, how, how quiet it is. But at any rate, with that difference, uh, I can't speak to what those men were experiencing or what they thought the perfect moment to listen to a, a record was. But I thought that listening to Eternal Nightfall uh, on a on a walk in a uh, populated but populated but foot traffic devoid uh, uh, space uh, after dark was just uh, took me someplace. I I, I was uh, really moved, uh, and then. <clears throat> As much as I was moved by this record, I also felt the same thing that I feel every time I listen to something brilliant. Um, I've talked about th- I talked about this recently uh, on uh, Axe to Grind, I think. Um, for people that don't know, that's a podcast that I do. But uh, I have a. I, I'm trying to get to the core of this, but I, again, I don't have time in my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I enjoy something, I try to do it. And it's so, it's at times, like when it comes to comic books, I proved good at that. Music, I've never been, this is not fishing for compliments, just strictly speaking in, in terms of ability. I've never had it. You know what I mean? And, and uh, I find this is kind of at the core of what I do in some ways because uh, being aware that I don't have it is, and and kind of continuing to do it is... Uh, there's so, there's something there. I, I don't know if it's good. I don't know if people like it or don't like it. But there, there's something to the idea that I'm going to continue playing pickup basketball for the remainder of my life, right? Like like yeah. uh, like there, there's something to it. And uh, but it is as much as I'm aware of of my mediocrity and I don't feel necessarily a way about it because I'm not trying to change the world. I'm trying to edify myself. So I'm at peace with not being great. Um, but when I listen to something that's really, truly great, I I get I get there's a different type of sadness that I get because my inability to touch what I'm listening to just makes it feel more even more futile than it, futile than it is. So, like when I was listening to, let's say. Um, Let's see. Maybe a cold. Yeah. Well, what what I was thinking of real quick was uh, when you were saying like uh, when you listen to 108, like a specific song, like it makes you think of like uh, you know being on like a 
train station, I guess, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for some reason in my head, I'm like, what would be the feeling that I get when I'm listening to Lungfish? And I, for some reason, I was like, I'm writing a thesis on fourth century linguistics as told by Chaucer. Oh, yeah. Uh, sometimes. I, I, I mean, <laughs> some of these lyrics are exactly that. It, it, it's a... Uh, uh, but it's but it's but I say that but it's like it's not with saying that because I've taken British literature. This isn't hard to digest though, and it isn't something that's a labor like a lot of that would be. Like the you know that imagining that thesis, you know, mm-hmm. or reading Canterbury Tales. It's like this isn't this isn't that. But I would think in a sense that maybe that's also to what you're saying with the kind of like trying to reach for something. I think sometimes like when I'm listening to things like Lungfish, it like almost like makes me feel slightly smart. Sure. But it also feels like I could hang out with them. Oh yeah. Know? So it's not like my British literature teacher that gives me a D because I never talked in class. So he couldn't imagine that, you know, I was smart enough to write the paper that I did. Like these people just accept me for the random things that I'm saying, you know, is what like a lungfish person. It's like someone of working class means that has read but they'll never be read in the same way that, like, if you had professor parents. You know, that's what Lungfish kind of, you know, like me being educated by Henry Rollins essentially would be as close as, you know, I can get to these things. So it feels educated in a way that I can stomach. I, you know yeah. what? I think that that's, uh, that's well said. It, it is, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's above my level, but I enjoy it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, that, and, uh, Lyrically, you're talking about maybe t- to my ear one of the few actual poets. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, poetry is a funny thing because it is. Uh, I I have I use music and my poetry in my mind almost can't exist without it. It's it's cringe without it. And and you know, we have mutual friends that <clears throat> do poetry who are absolutely fearless, right? Like so Jeremy Baum of of uh, Touche More. Totally fearless. Uh Yeah. It, yeah, it, our mutual friend Alan, he has the essay book, but when I went to buy it from him, I was like, "Can I buy a copy of your poetry book?" And he was like, "Essays." You know, like <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, yeah. you know, it was uh, <laughs> Well, that's it be- was not the thing you said to an well, essayist. Well, that's because we all need like a, a, a some type of uh, we need to insulate ourselves because poetry is is uh, so so vulnerable and uh, I think that you either have to be a, a tasteless lunatic uh, to to be into it or to be someone who who uh, is uh, ready for a type of uh, dissection. That uh, most of us can't endure. So I, I have a. I cut, yeah, I cut. yeah. I, I, I've put out a book of poetry. I, I, I will never read it. <laughs> you know, what I mean, I've listened to my own music. I, I won't read my own poetry because uh, th- there is something so, so naked about uh, someone trying to find. Because uh, I mean, what is poetry, right? Like, let's be, let's be reductive for a second. It's, it's uh, finding an eloquent way. Uh, to, to say a mundane thing, right? So, so, yeah. so that's that's what good prose is too. We could say, uh, but there's something about the self-reflective nature of most poetry that is just uh, really, really, really uh, in in 
incisive, <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. Yeah. Like you were saying about like, uh, like someone would tell you that certain parts of this record are corny, but I've been thinking a lot lately about, I mean, it kind of goes into the poetry thing where it's like, I feel like if you're not there to accept it with poetry, you can go into it and just be like, that's corny. You're all doing corny things. But like, if you go there to accept it, almost like whenever there's somebody doing comedy for an opening band, you know, like they're opening for a band and they're doing comedy. Mm-hmm. You never really went to the place expecting someone to do comedy. So you're kind of like, you're half checked you're out. You're not going to. Yeah. And so like, if you're doing poetry in a place where you're willing to accept it, then you just kind of take it in in the same way that like, if you're trying to just get someone to listen to your favorite comedian and they're just not having it, you right. know, like you're not going to win them over. Yes. So I think like sometimes it's like, and this is not as intellectual where it's like, I will go and watch like, I don't know, like a, sorry, my dog's barking. No worries. I don't want to have to edit that out. And it's going to be funny when I pick it up too. <laughs> um, Sorry. All right, little notes. Like recently, I'll just like go to watch something that feels just like completely normal. Like you would watch a movie on like a Saturday afternoon. Like, like I recently watched like a movie that had like Ted Danson and Mary Tyler Moore, mm-hmm. and it was just like accepted on the level that it is. Yeah, yeah, you know, well, like that's a fact. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like, like I feel like there's so many things wrapped up in this idea of like like irony or like you have to like pomp and circumstance kind of thing like as intellectual as parts of this record hits you i feel like it strips away like as much as it can strip away and still remain the song like it's like you're only getting everything at face value which was probably like i guess scary when they kind of recorded it because it has no it's just everything is dry and i think that's like an interesting place to get back to and that might be like where you're saying you're trying to get to with like self-defense things. It's like you're trying to take away anything that like when I think like Eternal Nightfall is like a beautiful song, but it's like it has taken everything else out of it. Oh, and yes. It's just the base level of like what a thing of beauty can be. And that sounds like, well, you know, my own poetry. You uh, know? Well, so that's what's interesting about this record, though, is I on this listen, I believe I heard things that I didn't. And I think that that's, that's a really, at one point I thought I heard horns. There's no horns on this record. I'm sure of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 uh, it's so bare that I feel you can't, your mind starts putting things on it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, uh, so I, uh, yeah, I mean, but I'm going to get back to my resentments in a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've gone to uh, uh, poetry stuff, you know, like poetry readings, and it becomes embarrassing when somebody is low talent. So things are more literal than they should be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, you should just join a hardcore band, right? Because yeah, <clears throat> it's you don't have it. You, you're not. Uh, you, you just don't have this gift for words. And uh, it doesn't mean that you can't express yourself. You should continue to express yourself, but there's a better format for you, right? Did you ever read uh, Ryan Adams's book of poetry? No. So Ryan Adams is, is a fascinating figure to me because 
I know he got like in trouble for some shit or whatever. I don't give a fuck about any of that. I don't pay attention to people's lives like that. I don't care. His hair offends me on such a fundamental <laughs> level so that I can't, I've never even tried his music. Back when people were crazy about it, now people, he's like brand new where people are like, pretend not to be crazy about it, but their, their Spotify listens b- betray the truth. Uh, so like when people were crazy about it and couldn't stop talking about this fucking guy, I said, Oh, okay. I don't really, you know, that type of, um, uh, likable, uh, pop leaning rock music doesn't necessarily appeal to me, but maybe I'll give it a, what's going on with this guy's hair? Holy shit. Get me the yeah. fuck out of here. <laughs> so I've, uh, no, I'm not familiar with his poetry. I mean, you would want to be, mm. it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just that funny thing where, uh, like, you know, people have patted really most musicians on the back, all of us really, but him especially. And, you know, just kind of like, there's no, no in the room. At right. That point, right. You know? And so it's like, well, I'll just do a book of poetry. You know, he probably yeah. sold them fine, whatever. But it's just like, I mean, I am the biggest Henry Rollins apologist, you mm-hmm. know, but it's like, so I know what I'm getting when I read, like, you know, I'm going to mispronounce the word, but like solipsist, uh, mm-hmm. I said it wrong. Uh, but like, you know, but there's something else where I'm like, I can't, I can't put these two together. So all I'm looking at is his song, but without any melodic inflection. Yeah. Sure. And because it's, it's like, there's a lot you can do. Like, there's certain things like off the page, maybe that even with this lungfish record, like maybe it wouldn't really make sense, but you know, Daniel Higgs is like doing so much with the way he inflects it. So there was none of that. You know, I think that's like the hard thing with poetry because it's like you look at something on page and you can either overdo it or overdress it. Mm -hmm. And so like, how do you strip away the things and still have some sort of like turn of phrase or something that's like a new way of poetry that it's, I don't know. I was never able to get close to it. No, I, I mean, I, I've put out like a hundred songs in my life. I don't think I'm anywhere near um, the, the, the uh, because I, I look at like, for example, the song sex war, which appears on this record as well as necrophones. Um, it's literally about sex and it's, it's a literal, it's describing sex using just dressed up phrases that, I mean, what's the alternative to be like, like the guy, like the rapper plies and just say, are we fucking or what? You know what I mean? Like, like, like what? So, and I like, I like some plies songs, but like, I don't know if they rise to, to, to this level of, of artistry because, you know, like, it's uh, like, look at the most simple, the, the, the simplest, uh, uh, punchiest line in the song. Until the repetitions cease, the repetitions must increase. Um, regarding sex, that's just a fucking clever line. You know yeah, that's I mean? just the train, but it's just the train going in and out of the tunnel. Yeah. Like on a video, it's, you know, it, but it's. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's, a, it's a simple, almost crude idea uh, typed into this. Uh, uh, like, l- listen to this. Kneel before the tetrahedron, uh, identify apex and base, round its corners, form a cone, strike it gently, hear the tone. Uh, it's ringing, it's ringing voice counts aloud, the layers of sex war shroud. And it's just, it, it's, you're just literally talking about probably, pardon me, eating some pussy and then fucking. And, and it, it, it is, uh, so beautifully, 
like I love I love the dwarves, right? Like I, I, I really like the band the dwarves. And I think that there's a I almost said we should uh we should do the uh, dwarves are young and good looking for this <clears throat> for this exercise. Because I think that there is a a brilliance there, but it's directed at this puerile jokey, like almost every song is a statutory rape fucking joke, which is like pretty, pretty out in 2022. You know what I mean? But like, there's still this, there's still this goddamn beauty to it. You know what I mean? There's still, but, uh, the way that, the way that, uh, uh, that man has to find ways to talk about sex is interesting because, uh, he has to be literal. He has to, like, I was thinking about, I was in an argument about Bob Dylan. I don't appreciate Bob Dylan. Uh, not in the way that other people do. And I think it's because there's a formula there that I find uh, very um, uh, cynical. Because you go to, you, you go to what works, right? And, and Dylan, mm-hmm. Dylan has this thing that I think is, um, it's the most effective. It's what I've tried to do in, in any number of songs. And uh, Dylan is better than, than I am clearly, but, um, he, he has a bunch of vague, potentially nothing, uh, lyrics and then anchors them to an, to, and emotionally uh, resonates with, with the listener by applying in each song, essentially one single anchoring, uh, relatable line that is uh, rooted in, in material reality that other people have experienced. So, but yeah, but did you hear his 20 minute long song about JFK? No, I, no, I haven't. I haven't. That might be his best work in my view. (laughs) He talks about Wolfman Jack a lot, which I assume, well, maybe his audience, his audience, his audience definitely is, is in, I say that as someone who likes uh, Bob Dylan, like even last night, um i've been trying to get the album planet waves because it's like the it's not hard to get like i see it in the record store all the time but it's like the kind of reunion record with the band Mm. uh from like the mid 70s or whatever and so my friend brings it to me he owns a record store and he brings me the record in and then i'm like cool let me this looks in good condition whatever it's a used record and i pull it out and it's bob seger night movie (laughs) much better you won yeah and i was like I was like, well, <laughs> you, you won. Know, like I was like, I do, I do like Bob Seger. Yes, it's a great. I that's a great record. <laughs> but it, so I was like, I think I already own it. But you know, <laughs> you know, there's, which was funny together. It's well, no. Here's what's funny is there's that uh, line from the movie Almost Famous where the Lester Bangs uh, uh, character is is uh, is talking about uh, uh, the Guess Who. As as a as a brilliant band because they know that they're clods, you know they know that they're idiots, and, and uh, <laughs> that's a better thing for rock music. Uh, Bob Seger, I'll take over Bob Dylan any day because Bob Seger recognizes that uh, he's no genius; he's just playing rock songs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's an interesting thing, even with like culture as a whole. Like, I guess I'm going to talk about Mary Tyler Moore movie again, where it's like you kind of know <laughs> very very, ta- very current reference you're dropping yeah. here. Yeah, but like you know what you, I feel like you knew what you were going to get when you get it. But I feel like even when people watch like Marvel movies or mm-hmm. whatever kind of thing you want to drop in there, it's like they all have to be the Godfather or something. Yeah, it's yeah. like. But they're not built to be the Godfather. Like in the same way, going back to lung, like Lungfish is not built to be 
what Bob Seger, like not, or whatever certainly. sort of the better equivalent of a band at the time that would have been not Lungfish. But it's like you can't compare it to like well that like whatever Godfather or whatever you want to put in there. So it's like, so know. that's the problem that I I so when I say that it's tragic that these people didn't experience greater success, uh, however you want to define it, that's obviously the problem that I'm having, which is like. Um, no disrespect to the dead, but Nirvana was essentially a boy band, like very handsome singer that like smoldering, like had this, had this like, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm a beautiful person and gifted, but, but my life is terrible. Like imagine how it is for all of you sort of energy that resonated with kind of, you know, that, that exact moment. And Lungfish just look like homeless people playing well, yeah. the same song. Like, I guess the yeah, like with Nirvana, it would be like when I first heard Tad, mm-hmm. I was like, "Why wasn't this band bigger than they were?" Then you and look. Then I saw pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. Then I'm like, because they were bigger. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, it's like, yeah, Lungfish guys. It's like, for instance, my wedding. Um, we had like, I don't know, we invited our friends, invited our family, you know, the two shouldn't probably mix. Mm. And like, uh, one of our friends that's like, uh, he's just like an artist guy. Like he, to the wedding, he wore like a blazer, but it was like jeans that were all the way ripped up. Like he looked like he, in a comedy, he got attacked by a dog. Sure. Like that's what the jeans look like. He's an artist. And he was just going off. Yeah. <laughs> he was going off to the buffet or whatever it was and picking food. And someone from like, uh, my wife's family, just nice as can be. They were like, do you know that guy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they just thought like a, he wandered you know, in. a homeless person wandered in and they're like, oh, that, that's Andy. Yeah. You know, like it's just like that's what everyone in Lungfish kind of likes. Like it looks like like Daniel Higgs can put on a suit and a lot of the pictures of them wearing like suits. But it's, you know, it's not. Yeah. No, no. It's, like it's a different energy. It's like dad suit <laughs> after working in the yard. You know? <laughs> yes, yeah. precisely right. So. And. So yeah, I don't. but uh, but uh, that stuff uh, th- that stuff all kind of um, you know, I'm at the juncture in my life where I don't want to. I almost just fucking I almost just got you some clicks by being fucking very pointed. But uh, and uh, uh, you know, talking sneaky on a band, um, I'll just say that I don't. Outside of a live show, I am completely disinterested in in. Um, uh, the the soul the the marketed aesthetics of of a band I I, I find it offensive I uh, well, this one I'll, I'll I'll take a shot at this one because it's just it's not even taking a shot it's just it, it's bigger than what I'm doing anyway Ghost is completely unrelatable to me Ghost is like yeah. s- something that is <clears throat> it's theater and I really enjoy musical theater I don't connect with Ghost but I I I I, uh, I enjoy musical theater but I think it's a different thing than what I do. Right. Like, so, so, and I just don't get the, I don't get the dress up aspect of a lot of bands. And, you know, as you get, um, like drug church is still a, a long ways from this and I don't imagine that we'll arrive there, but, um, the need for production quote unquote, right. Yeah. Is, uh, I don't see anything wrong with it. I'm not more making a moral judgment. It's just unrelatable to me and, and, and less fun. And, uh, there's something uh, to me very um, bracing in a good way about simply a band performing. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because it is, it it is uh, the essence of what it is, which is uh, people who are 
uh, ill-equipped. If they're old, if they're older than 27, they're people who are very ill-equipped for a professional life who have some measure of talent, whether born or, or, or earned, uh, at this niche thing. And they're just fucking idiots. And, and there's something, uh, once you start, uh, uh, putting too many silk hats on it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it loses me. Right. And, uh, lungfish, uh, again, I, I think that by virtue of the fact that they're, they're an easy band to sell to the pitchfork crowd because, you know, like, uh, less savvy fav was, was, was big when I was a kid because like, Oh look, the singer let himself go bald. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's like, yeah. come on, you fucking idiots. Like, it's just like no disrespect, but it's like the same thing whenever there's like a, like a fat dude that like, like I've said this a million times. So I'm, I, this is not a hot take and it's, it's with zero disrespect because I think that they're a very capable band, but like, <laughs> If the guy from Fucked Up looked like not a heavy set shirtless dude, the band would not have gone as far. Straight, that's just period. You know, yeah, yeah. point yeah. blank period. They like kn- yeah, all the journalism at the time. That's like what it focused on. A hundred percent, and you know. and everybody yeah. they know that everybody knows that it doesn't mean that they're not a good band. They're a better band today than they were then, and and that's a fucking yeah. great thing, right? But like, we got to be realistic. Like, you know. Uh, Music press is people that don't, they can't play music. So it's people that, that, and they, and in their defense, music press is people who, even if they play music eloquently, even if they play it brilliantly, how could you convey that experience or that understanding to a layman audience, right? Like to people that do not play the same instruments who just enjoy music. How could you talk about it in a way that would excite them? Yeah. So you, like every album doesn't come with a treatise as to where to, to to accept it on. Like you open this Longfish record, or you I guess you would have opened Necrophones. You're like, understandably, this is what we were attempting to do. Like you, no one gives a shit. Yeah. You know? uh, so even like a journalist doesn't give a shit because like technically everything they wrote in that Pitchfork review, I'm like, well, you don't know their intention with why yeah. they canned it or why they thought you know this, and you're kind of you know I know that's how music journalism works, but I'm like. You're taking stabs at the dark, but you were, you know, uh, saying. Uh, assigning motivation uh, is a big thing that they do. But, th- but I, I'm sympathetic to that too. The, 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 the real problem is uh, without a hook that is based outside of music, what the hell are you writing about? Right. So like I, okay, this is going to sound, I, a friend of mine works at a, at a, big record label he signed something because the 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 musician had never left the side of the mountain that they grew up on he signed it for that reason there's no other he said the songs are good i said are they are they great he goes no 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 but they're good and i said he goes you don't understand music press is going to go crazy this guy never left the side of the mountain like his entire life (laughs) like like like, so that's that's a hook, right? That's that. Yeah. Now to you and I, that sounds strictly speaking, so fucking stupid. I've seen it work so many times. It's like, right. uh, running a very unsuccessful label and being in very unsuccessful bands. If you have some sort of hook, at le- that's at least part one, right? you know, whether it'll do anything after that, but it's like, 
a lot of people, myself included, sometimes it's just like, well, we're just this. I can't give you anything. Yeah, it, else, you know, like so. If you did have a hook, it, yes, that's that's a good thing to have. It's you know? it's it's five white guys with suboptimal IQs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what the fuck is there to write about? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's it's okay. Hold on, let me help you, Music Press. Uh, it's uh, five white guys with mundane lives, never been through uh, uh, any struggle greater than their mom's cancer, uh, and that's that's too general. Like everybody has that experience. Of, oh, there's some divorce. Maybe this guy got abused, but it's just not enough. Maybe he doesn't want to talk about it. So yeah, it's, it's not '97. <laughs> this isn't going to work like Everclear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So 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 what do you got now? It's like well. Uh, None of us, uh, none of us have college educations, and we don't know what else to do, and we like music. Yo, yeah. there's nothing there. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, there might be brilliant music. There might be something beautiful there. There might be something like I always say, like, uh, you know, there's some of these uh, lungfish lyrics that I uh, am not even inclined to dissect because I know from for myself. Now, now Dan Higgs is a much better writer than I am, but I know for myself, I often don't know what a song is about until a year or two of playing it. You know what I mean? And then on stage, yeah. on stage, I'll have a, a road to Damascus moment where I just like, Oh shit. Like, and <clears throat> it'll occur to me what I meant by a line. You can't ask an artist what the fuck they mean by anything. So, uh, and the idea that an outsider would know is fucking ludicrous. Right. But, but this is all to say that like, it, it is, uh, what is there to write about when it's not even, it's not even people that can present. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not even people that could, yeah. that, that could sit down and get like drug church got a lot of press on our, on our last uh, record. And uh, part of that is, is certainly the efforts of the publicist. There's no doubt about that. Some of it is the fact that uh, there was some excitement about th that record coming out. And part of it, <clears throat> I heard in no uncertain terms from some of the interviewers was that I gave an interview that I talked. I just, I was able to talk and I, I, I wasn't, uh, I didn't clam up or, 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 uh, withhold. I just, I just spoke, uh, uh extemporaneously in a way that, uh, people found interesting or whatever. Now, what if you can't even do that? What if you're just, yeah. what if you're just like, what if, cause I podcast all the time. So, I'm at peace with the, you know, my, my, my talking time is not so valuable to me that I'm withholding of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so I, I'm willing to, willing to talk, but I remember I saw, I do not even remember the name of the band. I remember I saw this band I bought their shirt. Uh, this was, I don't know, 2005 or something. And I bought their shirt because they were, they were proper introverts and I felt terrible for them <laughs> because on stage, imagine wanting to express yourself because there's something in you that has a need to share what you're doing and to exist on this planet in a way that other people can, can reference in some way. But that's the only impulse in you that has any other, other than that, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing egoist about you, you know, <clears throat> like, uh, um, I felt, I felt pity <laughs> for them because yeah. what a struggle that must be. You know, they were shy, shy. And, and, and I've seen a lot of awkward, uh, you know, I, 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 
still love hardcore music, so it's proof positive. I've seen a lot of fucking terrible fucking stage performances, like just people that look like they just fucking learned their instrument. But some of them are natural performers, and others are are scared for life. You know what I mean? And uh, this band, I just remember being like, I bought a shirt that was too small for me because I was like, I just need to support these fucking people. This this is rough. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, these fuckers can't even talk. So, uh, uh, but... You know, imagine that that's you. Imagine that there's something in you that just wants to express and, and share something with the world, but you, you're not good looking. You're, 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 uh, you're not interesting, strictly speaking. Your music might be very interesting. Your music might be the one place that you shine in this world, the one place that there's anything about you that's not fully fucking banal, but there's no hook. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. what I mean? like dad, your dad didn't beat you. You know what I mean? Like, sorry, kid. Like, like there's nothing for yeah. there's nothing for us to sell here. Like, you know, uh, like the the last drug church record. Another good example is what I was selling was, uh, yeah, I kind of wanted this record to fail. It's too bad. It's good. You know what I mean? And people were and <laughs> and, and music press was like, what? Oh, <laughs> you know. Like, so it, it's uh, but uh, that hook is always. Um, so there's something sad about it, obviously, because... Well, what, something I was thinking of is uh, something you mentioned about, like, the band Ghost uh, a bit ago. Um, so I saw them, they opened for, like, Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Like, I got free tickets to see Iron Maiden. And so uh, you get there when it's still daylight. And so that means Ghost had to play in the daytime. Oh, like, that's I don't know, 7 p.m. in the summer. And it just, like, was, like... I'm so sorry yeah. for y'all. Like, it was just everything that I felt like that band is built upon. Like, people have said, like, Scooby-Doo music. You know, it's like everything kind of like the, the theatrics that it must have been built upon, but either they weren't – it wasn't their space. Almost like like I saw Dinosaur Jr. open up for Primus, and they they did they just weren't able to have all their amps. And still right. great, but I was like, oh, the Dinosaur Jr. thing is built off these amps. So, like, Ghost is like, oh, it's built off of these Popats. Yep. You know, like, so if I'm way away and it's the daytime, it's just yep. like, you know. Something is lost in this translation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm just like, I know there's people up there that just is going to connect, but I'm just like, I'm so sorry. Because, like, so much of it feels like presentation yes. of it, you know. Um, uh, but, uh, but uh, yeah, just. And I shouldn't be so dismissive. There's obviously some people in the same way that I don't understand fashion, so it's easy for me to j- j- dismiss uh, or denigrate in some way because I don't understand it and it doesn't appeal to me, but uh, that sort of, um, uh, that almost design uh, aspect of being in a band is where some people thrive and it's what they find beautiful, right? Yeah. Like, so... Yeah, I mean, it can be, like, to the positive of, like, a lot of... When, you know, pop music is good, like, you know, like, it's... Sometimes that is what you're buying, you right. know? Like, so it's, like, understandable in a sense with, like, ghosts. Like, I get the package. It's just, you know, I don't want it. You know, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're they're fine. They don't need my uh, their my arrows will never reach them, so it'll be okay. Right, yeah. and, <laughs> and also and also, I got to be fair. I haven't given Ghost enough of a shot that I I'm entitled to an opinion. And for the continued success, Ghost. I don't, I, you know what I mean. I don't need to take anything away from you, but like the, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, Lungfish lacked uh, some of the 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 bullet points that you'd put on a sales sheet yeah yeah well like do you think there's a way i guess okay i'll back up do you think that 
is there any way to sell this to someone younger than us let's just say oh like, how do i because i don't know what to give to them that sort of like you should what i think you should even if you're just listening to like talking songs for walking i think it's an amazing album like and i like this one a lot you know like i i want to fill in the a lot of i feel like i i started listening to talking songs for walking and then i just kind of never stopped mm-hmm. it, to a point that i feel like i haven't given the later you know records uh shot so like if someone is 22 years old up to like 27 how how would we sales pitch lungfish to them well i tried to get an eight-year-old to watch jackass the other day (laughs) and uh he didn't immediately connect with it and i thought that that was insane so here's my point it's it might just be a natural fact that you can't appreciate things right so like I can't appreciate big band music. Big band music predates me by like what 60 years, you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. so like it uh I my appreciation for it can really only be academic. Um yeah. But that said, my favorite type of movies are movies that I couldn't have watched as a child if they were even around when I or if if I was even alive. So like um the other day I watched a very middling eighties, uh, James Wood, uh, Woods vehicle, uh, neo noir sort of thing. Wasn't great. Cop. Cop. You know it. Uh, I own it. Oh, no shit. Really? <laughs> I do own it. When I, when I was watching it, I was thinking, I wonder if anybody intentionally watches this film. Someone uh, gave me a bootleg version of it, which also elevates it to That a, does. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> So, but I love that type of movie, right? Like tonight or today, I'm yeah. today I'm gonna watch a movie called Night Game, which is a, a, a Roy oh, Roy great, Scheider movie. <laughs> wow. Have you seen it? No. <laughs> so, dude, this is a lane that I've tried to just dive into. Like lately, it's taken me. I think I've actually gotten all the good ones, but I've tried to like go. And it's not as cool as Night Game, but I just was like, let me watch as many '90s, '80s thrillers, mm-hmm. like. Uh, Pacific Heights and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. Sure. It's like you know, like things that you know. Uh, so Night Game is it's a different thing, but still sort of in that territory where it's not really horror, not really action. It's just have have you yeah, have you know. watched uh, what's the Gene Hackman one? Is that Night Moves? Uh, the, the, the... Yes, Night Moves <laughs> has the most terrifying ending, and, and but it's like basically in the last minute of the movie mm-hmm. makes the whole. If you're not in it. I mean, if you're not in it, you're probably not going to get to that point. But if you're in it enough to get to that point, it legit makes that whole movie. Like how, like the taking, like the original taking of Pelham One Two Three, like it's it's not anywhere the same as like the John Travolta, uh, no Denzel Washington. It's like the end part. He does the like Kojak thing, mm-hmm. or the he's like one more thing. Oh, and uh, kinda, the, the, then the, that co- makes the whole movie kind of thing. The uh, Columbo you know. Columbo thing. Columbo, yeah, it's that Walter Matthau's character is like, well, what's in your oven? You know that kind of thing. Like it's that, those kind of movies. That's yeah. uh, uh, like movies like Charlie Varick. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, have you ever watched Charlie Varick? No. Oh, I watched uh, Killing of a Chinese Bookie. It's other. a great one. Great one. Yeah. Um, and I, or like the Gambler with James Caan. That's essentially the hook at the end. Ends up being that he cuts his own face to remind himself to like what gambling will do to him well, <laughs> forever. That kind of thing. Wa- you know? Watch Charlie Varick, um, okay. which is another one of those ones that has like the the payoff is the end. You know, uh, I, I I think that's a math out one, but 
Anyway. Yeah. And in it, he wears uh, the the best jacket. He's a, uh, I, f- I forget if he's like a tow truck driver, whatever the fuck he is, but he wears a, a jacket that just says last of the independents. And, and it's a great one. Uh, anyway. So have you seen night game? Uh, uh, no, 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 I haven't. I'm going to watch it today. Oh, okay. You're in for, you're in for a treat. Uh, but yeah, I know you were about to say something, but with well, my... Lungfish though, if we're taking it to film though, it feels like not even jackass. It's almost like trying to get a kid into like Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, uh, you know what? Maybe. I mean, uh, to me, it's so like, this is still the most germane music in my life. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's still like the most like gripping, meaningful thing. It's this and, and really angels of light are two things that I, I think, I almost sob when I listen to them because I, not just because I think that they are uh, just really truly gorgeous pieces of music and and, and meaningful and and have a, kind of an emotional resonance, but also as I said, it's because I, I it's what I wanted to do. Like those are two bands that when I heard them, I was mad because I th- I thought this is what I've always wanted to do. You know what I mean? Like when I heard, for example. By the time I don't know what year Love Is Love came out, but but uh, the Lungfish record Love Is Love, it's among their best and it's later in their career. And when I heard it, mm-hmm. I, I it's it's so good, it's unbelievably good, and, and they're firing on all cylinders in this way that is just so goddamn powerful. And I remember thinking, "Fuck, man." <laughs> Because, yeah. because I, I can't do this. I can't do this. Um, yeah. you know, uh, uh, I, I think that you could feel the same way about, uh, 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 catch for us, the foxes, you know, the, the me without you record it, it is, uh, when you hear it, if you're a lyrical person, you hear it and you go, Oh God damn, come on, man. It, 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 like, give me a shot here. You know, like, <laughs> like, cause I can't compete, you know? And the, uh, so when you hear people that are, if not your contemporaries, I guess Lungfish. I started playing music in a serious way around the time that Lungfish was wrapping up. And yeah. And, uh, cause love is love was 2003. So, you know, like that was the tail end. So in my, in my head, I, I almost thought it was necrophones. And then essentially, cause I feel like there's like a gap kind of with ACR 1999. Like, I don't think they had really done no, the last, that much for a little bit. The, like, it was kind of like, oh, here's something else. The, yeah. the last record I see is 2005, but I could... Uh, okay, yeah. So... I think that's right. Uh, and that's Feral Hymns, which, again, everybody, is a heavy record for a fucking old band. Really heavy in a beautiful way. But anyway, um, okay, here's my Lungfish uh, sales pitch. Uh, age may have nothing to do with it. This may be just down to what type of person you are. Uh, there might be a person that for the next hundred years appreciates exactly what this is in the same way that, uh, here's a, uh, here's a big claim in the same way that there's certain young people who can always appreciate David Bowie, right? Now, David Bowie's old for me. I want you to think about that. Yeah. I'm old. I'm old as dirt. And David Bowie is tired for me, but for, there's always going to be a 19 year old that, that David Bowie speaks to them. True. And, yeah. And, uh, I think Longfish, if you are, um, if you're a wordy person, uh, but you don't necessarily even, uh, have, if, if you're a wordy person, but maybe, maybe you don't even talk that much, <laughs> but, but, um, <laughs> I think that this is uh, 
this could be for you. If you are a person who is overstimulated, uh, I remember, uh, I think Necrophones was the most, ne- uh, Indivisible and Necrophones, I think, had the most uh, meaning for me one summer where I was working a job where I, I, there was no time I wasn't around human beings and I felt so, so um, tired, like mentally. Uh, I, you know, look, like there's some people, people who try to dress up um, being an introvert and, and they try to, they try to put a, they, they try to uh, aggrandize being a shy person and, and uh, make it something that, we should celebrate in some way. And I don't think that that's necessarily like, I'm not trying to sound cool when I say this, but, uh, I can, I talk a lot. Uh, I'm comfortable in most social situations, but I also, even at dinners that go on for any length of time, I will go to the bathroom and just sit in the bathroom (laughs) for 10 minutes and I'll, yeah. I'll claim that I'll claim that there was, I was waiting on somebody and the, the bathroom was occupied and I'll just sit and I'll just relax for 10 minutes because, uh, too many people, you know, and, and I'm a person that for my, at least one of my careers in this life, I'm, I'm constantly, actually I get a decent balance because one of my careers, I'm around nobody, uh, for eight hours a day. And then my other one, I'm never not around somebody like being in a band, this is the thing that's not talked about enough. Being in a band, one of the more <clears throat> grating parts of it for some people is that I spend six weeks where I'm never more than 10 feet away from another human being. That's, yeah. uh, I, if, you know, to people that go to office jobs, maybe, maybe that feels normal. It's not normal. I'm talking about, I sleep in a bed with two men. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not normal. Like I, I am never not around someone. There is zero privacy in my life or physical privacy, which is a thing that I don't think people like your office job may say you might be in close quarters with somebody, but you at least have the car ride home. <laughs> you know, yeah. what I mean? um, so uh, if you are the type of person who needs those uh, needs those breaks, uh, records like Necrophones uh, really carried me through times where I've been very um, not stressed in a way that I can even put a finger on, but I just needed to decompress in a, in a real way um, and be around something of substance, you know, uh, which is, uh, I guess, how I would sell Lungfish. And this is not a great sales pitch for somebody that just wants to, like, uh, you know, maybe um, uh, I don't even know what's – I was just going to date myself so terribly. But <clears throat> but uh, if, if you kind of just want to, you know, like rock out or some shit or, or – shake your ass or whatever uh listen to jock jams um this is this is not uh necessarily going to work for you but uh if you're if you're a a a verbose person of quiet moments i would say that this is probably uh music that is essential uh i i I honestly think that this is one of the best guitar acts of all time and and, uh yeah i i think people should check it out if if for no reason other than uh, I'm telling you that this is, uh, is so significant to me personally, which is, you know, you can oversell something when somebody's like, Hey, I need you to listen to this podcast. It's great. You go, Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's like back to the, like telling someone like, Hey, listen to this comedian's bit or like listen to this, you know, song I like, you know, and then kind of watching them not take it in, yeah. you know, like, is that kind of feeling, you know, like kind of same thing you said, but what I think about like a lungfish fan, it's like, 
I mean, it's really myself. I'm, I'm, you know, it's like I can talk a lot one-on-one, but if it's a group, mm. you won't hear a word from me. Mm. If you're that person, Lungfish is probably for you. you know, like, yeah. It's like you have a lot to say depending on the situation. feels like, you know, what is who it's for. Yes. You know. So, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I was happy to, you know, dive into it and also just kind of wanted to, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, your upcoming projects and stuff. But before I do that, there was a part that may, that rang so true of me in the Pitchfork review, which I regret saying, um, it said, is stubbornness a virtue? <laughs> and then I just felt like I was like, that's what I, it, that line itself you know, I guess that, that probably that guy purposely put it in a way to leave you with the thing and kind of mm-hmm. like carry that about your day about it. Um, so for that, Mark Masters succeeded. The guy mm-hmm. wrote that review, but it just felt like it was like, do you feel that way? Like when you were talking about kind of like trying to land that with like self-defense, like does that kind of like ring true as stubbornness of virtue? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to pretend that self-defense has been offered the uh, uh, you know, Bruno Mars never called up and said, hey, would you open for us? But the, the, we just uh, have, yeah, I mean, you could say, um, so So Drug Church, I, I made it clear to them when, when I joined the band that uh, I say yes to everything, I don't care. Um, and part of that is in response to self-defense where we've said no to everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've said no to every single fucking opportunity that ever came our way. And... Uh, yeah, to, to do something on your own terms, uh, but to also want to be seen, uh, because I think that that's a, uh, the contradiction or, or, the, or the, the rub, I guess, the, the friction that exists in, in, in uh, people like me. I want to not compromise, but to be, to be adored. And, and uh, that's, just not, that's just not how that works, unless what you are... Unless you're um, the thing that you're good at, or the thing that you're aimed at, or th- is something that is commercially viable. Like God bless the people whose passions in this life are finance and creating dance music. You know what I mean? Because y- y- the world is engineered in such a way that that uh, you can excel and uh, y- you can. You can excel creatively and excel uh, in terms of success. But there's other people that, like, think about some of these noise musicians. It's a niche thing. And imagine if you are a noise musician who isn't just a hack. Like, most of them are fucking hacks. But, like, but like what if you, yeah. what if that's truly how you express yourself? Like, that, it makes total sense to your mind. Everything that you're, you're playing, quote unquote. Um, <clears throat> makes sense to your to your brain and and there's just no chance you could be the best noise musician of all time and the best thing that you the most that you can hope for is that you insulate yourself in the knowledge that the people who know they get it man you know what i mean and it's like yeah and that's my life you know what i mean i was thinking about i was thinking about names for the next drug church record and and i was uh because we just started uh writing it and i was thinking i might just call this one niche you know what I mean? <laughs> because my life is yeah. my life is just a fucking niche, and you know I I've got to experience, um, I've got to experience uh, t- uh, touring opportunities, and I've seen the world a little bit, and and uh, uh, now it makes a little bit of money, but 
uh, it's still so it's, you know, it's, it, it's just, my interest isn't, um, isn't dance music. It isn't something that's, yeah. that, that, that's, uh, so even if I was, ex- even if I was exceptional, which I don't claim to be, even if I was exceptional, uh, there's a, the ceiling is low, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And for well, the, f- I think the next, the, try this for the next drug church record. So mm. it's a picture of you. Mm. You have your hands uh, spread out like it's like, like the Super Tramp album cover, yep. or like or you're like Frank Sinatra, mm-hmm. and it's it's just called "That's My Life," okay. and it's just kind of the tour. It's just the tour spread of like you know crackers and hummus and things, but you're presenting it like it's like you know out of character probably for you because you in your head you're like why would I be on the cover? But that's the point mm. of it, you know. It's just that's my life, you know. Uh, my, uh, I, my, that's my, what I think. My life is a seven dollar uh, uh, Cisco uh, uh, brand uh, 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 vegetable platter uh, where the tomatoes have been uh, refrigerated, and uh, the promoter actually believes I'm going to put this in my fucking mouth along with his tostito yeah. with his tostitos. Um, yeah, let's not get too deep into that because I'll kill myself. Yeah, yeah, it's like you're a sitcom <laughs> character. And it's like you just—that's my life, you know. Uh, but, you know, like uh, one last thing about like what you were saying, noise musician, uh, musician. Um, but I've seen people do it and it's like, you know, you feel like, oh, OK, I get what you're doing start to finish. Like you have a point A to point B you're still going to. But, you know, one time I had to do sound for a noise act and uh, they just put they had a guitar and then some feedback machine and they put the guitar on a stand and just started eating chicken wings. Mm. And then I'm like, but that's you're not really accomplishing anything, you know, I think like wanted, I believe what they wanted. Cause they kind of looked over at me. They wanted that moment where the sound guy cut them off for doing something, you know, just outlandish, yep. you know? And I was like, I'm not going to give it to you. It's like, <laughs> no, no, no. it's like that thing when you like catch a kid, like smoking cigarettes and you're like, now you got to smoke the whole carton. So I'm like, no, you're going to eat all of those wings. <clears throat> yep. Your guitar is going to keep feeding back. Yep. Because I, I want you to sit in it. Yeah. No, no, no. Until it's not fun anymore. Yeah. You know? L- listen, you petulant children. Uh, I, 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 I know that your music is, uh, uh, you know, just the fact that uh, you, your father left at a young age and your mother was, you were a latchkey kid that like is looking for any type of fucking attention. Uh, but yeah. you're going to have to find it on some fucking right wing message board yeah. or some shit. Cause I, <laughs> cause I, I'm not, gonna give I'm it not to giving it to you. Yeah. Suck a dick. Yeah. But yeah, I appreciate you coming. Uh, I actually I pre-ordered the Red Planet Blues. Oh, uh, very so good. I'm a fan of your your writing. Uh, I read all of Frontiersmen, and I've pre-ordered Antioch. Thank you. Um, so just to, just to tell you, I guess I'm promoting you for you. I appreciate uh, it. You know, so fan of your writing, a fan of Marco's work. I know he didn't mm-hmm. do Red Planet Blues, but excited for that because the whole like kind of Bucky O'Hare mixed with Total Recall thing yeah. was like. I never thought I needed that, and I want it. You know? I should have used the Bucky okay. O'Hare reference more in the uh, promotion <laughs> materials. I forgot that that's a reference for people of a certain age. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so, so okay. So, I, I'll use this as an opportunity to promote the thing I never do. Uh, so, uh, I write comic books. Uh, that's uh, one of my eleven careers, and uh, it's the one that I've, um, I've been reading comics since I was like three, and wanted to do it professionally for the bulk of my life. So, uh, I now do it. Uh, you could say professionally, uh, though it's not the bulk of my income. Um, 
it's a hard business. Well, it's on image, so I'd say professional. Yeah. For as anyone knows. Yeah, no, no, no. That, that's a good point. That's yeah. a fact. So so, yeah. so for people that are into comics, uh, Image Comics is the third largest publisher. Uh, they don't see themselves necessarily as uh, um, kind of DIY guys. That's not like, they're not punk dudes, right? Like that's not their thing. But what they did is the most punk fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, so they saw it as business and nothing else. Uh, they... they felt underappreciated at, at Marvel in the nineties and, and just started their own company at great risk to, to their reputations. And, uh, they were just bold young people that, that, uh, changed the landscape of comics and the company that they, uh, uh are part of, uh, or, or, or uh, I don't know how to say it. they're the founders, uh, but they are also, uh, most of them still very involved. Uh, the idea is essentially that uh, for people that remember Koch records, it's a bit like uh, Koch uh, back in the day where uh, you're on your own. Uh, and I, I don't mean that literally. Like the image has been excellent. They have a office staff uh, that helps with all the minutia, all the details. But in terms of um, the the risk reward is balanced in in extreme in both directions on you. So... Uh, this is essentially a platform to put out the book of your dreams, uh, if you're lucky enough to, to arrive at Image, um, that is fully creator-owned, which is uh, not a thing that uh, other publishers can claim, <coughs> uh, typically in, in the comic book market. So uh, I'm a very big believer in the model uh, that's been around since the 90s, uh, and I grew up on it to a degree, and I think it's always true that by the time that you arrive at something, it is no longer viable or cool. Uh, however, I think that the, there's a naturally uh, replenishing uh, aspect to a company that isn't, strictly speaking, a company. It's really whatever it becomes uh, decade after decade because it's it's creator it's creator owned you know and uh, yeah if it wasn't i feel like it would uh i know he's not with the company anymore but i feel like if they had followed the model of most publishers mm -hmm. then it would be like wherever rob lifefield had gone you mm -hmm. know like if it had continued on the model that a lot of places kind of hang their hat on uh i don't know i'm trying like uh simonson or something mm -hmm. you know it's like if it had continued on with that without being like wherever it's going to go, it's going to go. Mm. It wouldn't be the image that, well, it was founded upon. So that's like a hard thing. I feel like with things, it's like you come to a concept of we're going to be this way, but then you get too much of yourself oh, sure. in it. So, you know, with that said, I mean, most of the things I buy now are image. So uh, in, ter yeah. in terms of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, the best genre material that you're going to find on, on the, on the shelves. I think that that's probably still image. Uh, there's other companies that are doing good work, but, uh, that work always kind of has to, <clears throat> the work that you'll find at other, um, genre publishers, uh, typically has to have a television marketable aspect to it because the publisher owns some percentage of those rights and will really only green light material that they can flip to other media because really that's where they hope to make the majority of their money. Now, yeah, some people approach this with judgment. I don't, I, I, I know the margins there's the it, pretty much image, uh, is a success because it, the men who founded it, it, it was the right moment for that to happen and the necessary moment. But, 
but uh, if you tried to replicate it now, it would be like uh, applying Fugazi's uh, $5 shows to a show right now. It's, it, it, the, f- the framework is not, is not there for it to succeed. So uh, I know the margins in other companies uh, have to take a percentage of your uh, 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 IP rights for, for other media. Now, uh, at Image, you don't get that. You get pure, you get a, in principle, you get a pure product. You get a pure expression of, of the creator's vision because it doesn't have to uh, uh, meet any of those uh, outside needs. So uh, this is all to say that uh, the work that uh, Marco Ferrari and I do there uh, is uh, uh, really as, um, it, it's, uh, it's not wild. It's actually, it's, it's restrained in some respects. It, yeah. it, it, it's trying to, uh, be the best of a thing. It's trying to. It's not Avatar Press, which no, I don't know. No, anybody, you know, it's not Widow. It's not a Widow X comic no, or something, right? <laughs> like, it, it, you know, it, it's uh, yeah, precisely. It's it's not about uh, provocation, even though we have the uh, the runway to do that if we chose to. It, it's uh, our goal is to do something that is uh, exemplary in, in what it is. Now that's going to spin off in different directions where we probably uh, uh, explore more wild ideas but the exercise at the beginning was can we do a superhero comic as we think that they would be optimized in 2022 because marvel and dc have uh i think most people would agree have dropped the ball or or at least strayed from their core mission so we uh we wanted to try that and i think we've been very successful in that aim uh and our new book, Antioch, which comes out September 7th, everyone, uh, go to your comic store and demand it. Uh, they, uh, that book uh, is uh, a superhero story that I believe um, is, is, uh, is tight enough, tight enough an idea with an expansive enough uh, vision that I think that uh, you don't have to love superheroes to like it. I think that if you love superheroes, it will make a great amount of sense to your brain and it'll hit on, on it'll hit all your receptors. Um, so that's one thing we do. Um, also, uh, as you mentioned, the uh, uh, Kickstarter project, uh, Red Planet Blues, which actually has to change name. Uh, uh, the the author of the novel Red Planet Blues hit me the other day and uh, said, what are you doing? And I said you know what? It's absolutely insane that I didn't, that I only looked for comics with this name. I'm sorry, sir. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think will be a help. That's good that you, I think there's a comic cause I was looking at, there's like a big book that stores get, Mm -hmm. um, essentially there's like something called like red planet war that's coming out in like four months from now. I mean, it's of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uh, but it's like, it's like, for some reason, I'm like, are we? We're really excited about Mars. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, like as a market. So man, that's good for you, I guess. You yeah. Know, so if we're so, back on Mars again. So, so yeah, yeah the, uh, it will be the uh, Dante's Peak and volcano. Another terribly dated reference, everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, but, but got to change the name. But at any, at any rate, uh, that proved successful. I have another Kickstarter project, which is uh, a, a, it's adult. It's uh, just a lot of sex uh, comic. Um, that uh, is going to be a wild experiment for me. Um, my a publisher that I've worked with in the past, Black Mask, uh, contacted me and said, "Hey, we're trying to do an adult launch through Kickstarter. 
the old book that you did with uh, my co-creator Maria, uh, it seems like it's perfect for it. It's got a lot of erotica in it. Like, uh, do you want to spin it into something a little bit more graphic? And I said, yeah, give me a budget. And we figured it out. And uh, we've got a, you know, just 28 page one shot of uh, uh, four stories that are just uh, uh, kind of th- thriller esque, but uh, but there's all, oh. but but there's also, you know, there's just some fucking in there. And uh, uh, this is really interesting to me because um, Kickstarter is its own world where. Uh, people books that net would not do well in the direct market that's comic book stores uh would not do well totally excel and part of that yeah. part of that is uh some of the adult stuff and i this is not to get it's not to get too personal i guess but uh i have found that comics are still what turns me on the most um which i think comes back to the fact that it's probably what i the media that I latched onto as an actual child, which, so like if I started being exposed to comics at three, because my mother, we'd go to the, we would go to the drugstore and there, there were still spinner racks at that time. And yeah. my mother would buy me a comic to shut me up, I'm sure. And so for something to be the type of media that I identify with most fully and, and kind of makes the most sense to my brain, I guess it also does uh, follow that, uh, when it comes to exciting parts of my brain, such as the sex and all that, like that, uh, that, that would still be the medium that, that grips me. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm personally excited that I, I'm getting an opportunity to, and if this proves successful, I might do it more because what I would like to do, uh, is take a type of comics that typically does not see top talent, uh, because people are afraid to work in it. Uh, and to, really actually pay the rates to try to find top tier talent that would be willing to do because in, in Europe you're going to do some erotic content if you're a great artist and maybe you make your career of it. And and it's, it's a thing that people, it's much more accepted there. Uh, here, uh, it's seen as its own thing. It's not, doesn't cross over, but I, I, if I could get some of these artists that, you know, that I, I really respect and I think are great. Uh, so this first, this first book is going to be a test pilot of, of the idea that erotic stuff that I'm writing can survive there. And then after that, if we make, if we make a little bit of money, I'll just up the budget every time, um, into different stuff. But, uh, that's, that's something else I'm working on. And then, um, new, uh, new self-defense, uh, shortly, um, uh, but really demos, uh, I haven't released music. I haven't talked about this anywhere, but I, I having not released music in two years that like, I feel like I don't exist. Like I'm like, there's, <laughs> there's something wrong with me. I like, I'm like falling apart. So, uh, we are releasing, and this is inspired in some ways, uh, by ACR in 1999, but more by, um, uh, uh, the demo version of, uh, in the light by Led Zeppelin, uh, which is a, significantly better song than the album version. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we're releasing proper demos with the idea that, oh, wow. with the idea that these songs are going to probably sound different on the album. Uh, but that's kind of the joy, right? So some asshole 
can listen to the demo and be like, the demo's way better, bro. It's it's it, like I don't yeah. I, I don't know how you butchered this on the LP, but uh, so that's the so uh, self defense will be releasing a series of demos soon uh, before we build up to an LP, and uh, Drug Church uh, is recording. Uh, we start recording our next LP in like three weeks. Um, so right before we go on tour, we're going to be recording. Then, uh, we have another session after the tour. What we found, uh, worked best for us was multiple sessions, um, instead of just like a single block. So, uh, because that way you can scrutinize what you did with some clear mind and, and, and say, Oh no, that sucked. (laughs) So, uh, so, uh, one recording session before we leave for tour, Uh, I might drop vocals on those songs when I get back or at the end of tour. And then uh, we're going to do another two sessions and I'll probably end up doing uh, three sessions of of vocals and uh, we'll have a follow-up LP uh, probably like a year to the, to the date of, uh, of our last one, uh, which I did not expect. I thought my band was going to be lazy and just like completely worthless. And uh, it's seemingly not the case. So, uh, so I'm excited about that. Uh, and those are the things I've got cooking right now to answer your question. Those are my plugs. Yeah. Well, it was amazing talking to you and, uh, you know, love the album. So thanks for taking the time. No, thank you for having me. Welcome back. Thanks again to Pat for coming on the pod. Check out the newest release from Drug Church, those self-defense family singles, and his newest comics, Antioch and Frontiersman. Okay. Next week, we're talking with my good friend Brad Perry of Worn and Red. More on that next week. Once again, don't forget to check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we listen to records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at spinningoutpod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment, and reviews help. Thanks, as always, to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week.